Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. Uh, we've been going through a uh, brief series on the signs of life, if you remember. We started off uh, being Christ-like. We did that series, and then we wanted to put in, okay, if you want to be Christ-like, how is that going to work out in your everyday life? And uh, one, we saw, remember, it's going to, uh, you have to realize an aptitude. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so that's going to be different. It's also going to be in our attitude. We're going to have a different attitude if we are doing that. We also looked in the actions that we're going to have. That was the first week we had. Then last week we had, remember we told to turn on the lights and keep them on. We talked about the difference between a lot of us have a, a dial-up type of uh, Christianity. You know, we go for our quiet time, we're plugged in and we're really listening. And then we unplug and we go, go to work and we get on the road or we do whatever and what happens? Uh, we're not tuned in, and so we miss out on divine appointments, divine communication, and directions, and opportunities that God has for us. And uh, so many times we think about uh, what we could have done after the fact, and we need to be tuned in all the time. And then it'll also affect our attitude. When we're tuned in all the time, I can do all things through what? Christ. And when I went to uh, Malaysia, uh, my son and I changed that passage because of some of the stuff I was asked to eat. I changed it. I can swallow all things through Christ who strengthened me. I'm serious. If you ever had sea cucumber or uh, uh, you have uh, egg nest, you know, the, 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 the soup that they make out of uh, your bird stuff out of the, uh, you, know, that, you know, there's nothing worse than some of that stuff. And you just have to pray, Lord, help me keep it down because they are so proud of what they offer you. What is sea It was not, pardon? What is sea cucumber? It's one of the most disgusting things. <laughs> you know. There you have it. That's a scientific definition. <laughs> it, um, it's a sea creature, basically, that they eat, and it's a delicacy for them. Uh, same thing with the egg drop, you know, and you do the nest, and they have the birds in their attic, and then they take the droppings basically and stuff and then make a, a eat it and stuff it's 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 not it's not good, <laughs> it's not good. Um, so but again I remember on one they had their offering stuff and I knew I couldn't do it so I had a cohort go who could eat anything and he then had a great testimony leading someone to Christ. There is a time, but again, most of the time you never get asked to do that kind of stuff. But when you do, God gives you the strength and the grace and the time to do it. Today I'd like to look a little bit about uh, another one. If you wanted to title it, Pass the Salt. Uh, in biblical days, salt was more valuable than it is today. It's very important to the society. In fact, during Roman emperors, you realize that salt was a currency. Soldiers were often paid in salt. They then used it to barter with. In fact, our word, modern word celery, comes from the Latin salurum, meaning salt. 
when you stop and you think about it, you know, salt does a lot of different things. And we can look at it, and we're told that too. Salt and flavors is also a binder. It's a stabilizer of the body. In fact, I don't know, I'm sure I can ask Linda and Debbie and, and Bonnie and a lot of the others. When I had the heat stroke a few years ago and daughter found me in the yard, I'm sure when I was at the hospital with IVs and all that stuff, I dare to bet I was, getting, was given some type of salt solution in that IV. Uh, because you, you, how much your body needs salt. So let's look at what Scripture says about salt and how, why we need it. And so look over, first of all, I want to look at basically three passages. Matthew 5 and verse 13. First of all, there's the purpose for living. People have asked, you know, all the times, why, what, why am I here? What does God want from me? And God wants a lot of things from us, but I think we just need to be obedient to what He's telling us. In Matthew chapter 5, notice in verse 13, Jesus has just been given the Beatitudes, and it's important in the text when you look at it. And in verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. So you want a purpose? He just gave you one. He gives you another one, which we saw last week, is you are the light. So if we are the salt, what is the purpose of salt? In Christ's day, it's still true today, but in Christ's day, one, it prevented decay. They didn't have refrigeration. How are they going to keep all this stuff from going to spoiling? So you think about it, you and I, one reason we're here on this earth is to prevent decay. It's interesting, Kelvin Coolidge, our 13th president, made this statement. The foundation of our society and our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible that it will be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practiced universally in our country. Isn't that where we're at today? You know, decay, is, but salt is so important for decay, preventing decay. We need it. Second thing, it provides flavor. If you think about it, uh, Job chapter 6, I had not, re- had not remembered this, when Job makes this statement, can something tasteless be eaten without salt? And how many of you would agree with that? <clears throat> we have so much salt today in our food that we don't realize because we have so much processed food. But it's an amazing amount of salt that you have and the flavor that it provides. And when you get on a diet, when they put you on a salt-free diet, you begin to realize all of a sudden just what it's like to be without it. So one was we're supposed to, our life is supposed to also then help prevent decay. It's supposed to also then be there of providing flavor. A third one that you have and you have salt is it promotes thirst. You stop and think about it, inside, you think about it in uh, Psalms 41, 42 and verse 1, it says what? As a deer pants for the water, so my what? Soul. Pants for you. You know, I think it's important we we'll give you a statement, you all finish it. I, since we have horses in our backyard, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't what? But then what's the next statement? But I can salt his oats. And I think it's important, there is supplements that Gene will give the horses that makes them want to drink water. And I'm sure it has some type of salt formula in it. They'll even have the salt block out. It makes them want to go drink. You and I promotes thirst. I'll never forget when I went to uh, Southeastern Bible College in 
74. My goal was to go one year. I said, I don't know my Bible very well. I need to know my Bible better. I had a professor by the name of Dr. Stetz. He was just there that one year. I had a five-hour class. How many of you ever had a five-hour class at 4.30 in the morning? Or, I mean, excuse me, at uh, 7.30 in the morning. I also had a four-hour class the next semester. Old Testament, New Testament with him. He brought his Bible, his Hebrew Bible, no notes, and then his Greek Bible when he did New Testament with no notes. He had everything in his head, every outline, everything in his head. And you could ask him any question, and he'd just go, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Brilliant, brilliant man. And after I was in that class, I said, man, I don't know my Bible. I need to know it better. He caused me to want to be thirsty for the Word of God. What about you and I? Are we creating a thirst that somebody says, I want it? There's something that they have that I want. It reminds me, I was reading of Jay Kessler. Many of you know him. I've read some of his stuff. He was a counselor for a lot with teenagers. A young lady came to his office at the church. He started talking about the youth pastor. She had been abused when she was uh, a youngster and she had knife marks on her wrist where she tried to kill herself. And she brought up the youth pastor's name. He had been at church very long, newly married youth pastor. And he's thinking, oh boy, this doesn't look good when this girl's bringing up this youth pastor. And they said yes. And he said, uh, try to bring it up. She goes, well, I, she goes, I've been watching him and with his wife and he puts his arm around her in church and gives her a hug. And he opens the door for her. He said, I was watching out the window and only car in the parking lot. He walked her out to the car and opened the door for her then walked around to the other side. Is he a Christian? Jay said, yes, he is. She goes, I want what he has. So I think it's important. Do people see that what we have, does it create a thirst? Isn't that what happened in Acts chapter 16? Paul and Silas, they were beaten and everything else, and they were doing what? Singing. Singing. When you get treated wrong at work, and they're giving you stuff that you're not supposed to have, and how many are going, yeah, yeah <coughs> praise the Lord, singing. And what did the Philippian jailer say? What must I do to be saved? I mean, he wanted to know. If we're the salt we need to be, we promote thirst. The third thing it does is it permeates food, the surroundings. You put a little salt in something, how much does it affect? It affects everything. I'll give you an example. I was making oatmeal a couple nights ago. I was going to have it for dinner. Gene was uh, at a horse show, and I thought, well, I'll make it. It's taking too long to boil. What do I do? Put a little pinch of salt in it. What happened? You don't even taste the salt, but it causes it to boil quicker. That salt permeates all the water and it causes it to boil quicker. So I think it's important when you stop and think about it. Our purpose for living, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Am I preventing decay? It's amazing at work since I've been there this many years. People tell Joe, they come in, all of a sudden they clean up their language. I have never said a word to them about cleaning up their land. Why are they cleaning up when I walk in? Why do the jokes change when I come in? <clears throat> Does it provide flavor? Am I providing flavor? Do I promote thirst? And does it permeate everything and everywhere I am? 
We should be. Not trying to, that's just what salt does. I'll give you an example. I read this, I thought it was kind of interesting. This uh, baby camel's talking to its mother. You know, use your imagination. <laughs> <coughs> and it says, uh, Mom, why do I have these big three-toed feet? And the mom says, that's with which to walk on the sand so you won't sink, son. Mom, why do I have these long eyelashes? Well, son, that's to keep the sand from blowing in your eyes. Mom, why do I have this hump on my back? You know, of course, they, you know, we say water. It actually is for storing uh, uh, food for your long trip across the desert. Okay, Mom, I have a question. What is it, son? Why am I living in a suit? <laughs> what about you and I? Why are we living only in the church building when we need to be living out in the world? So think about it. When you look at it, am I living for my purpose or do I simply live in a zoo? People have to come where I am to see me instead of me going out to where they're at. So first of all is the purpose for living. But another one I hadn't and I've read it, and I'm sure you have too, but it never dawned on me. It was in the corresponding account in the Gospel. Look over Mark chapter 9. A verse just jumped out at me. So the second one, you have to, uh, we stop and think of the purpose for living. The second one is passing the test. Look over in Mark chapter 9. We'll start in 49 and 50. Mark chapter 9, 49 and 50. Notice it's talking about it's also in the same type of text of when things are in your life you need to get rid of. In 49, everyone will be salted with fire. So in other words, everyone's going to be tested. Notice the next thing I want you to read in verse 50. Salt is good, but if salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? You've got to go back to the time of Christ. Where did they get the salt from? be from the Dead Sea, just outside the Dead Sea, but they had a lot of other minerals with it. And you put salt with all the other minerals and you put it on big piles, what happens when weather and storms and everything else come through? What happens to salt if water gets on it? So other minerals are going to stay, and what's going to happen to the salt? It's going to leave. That's why in Matthew it says it's good for nothing but trampling on the feet. In the Roman Empire, then when salt lost its saltiness and you just had the other minerals, they'd put it on the road because there'd be a little bit of salt left attached. And what would salt do to the roads and vegetation? It'd keep the vegetation from growing. But notice the next words. I bet you haven't seen this before. Have salt in yourselves. That's a present imperative. You are commanded to every day take in salt. Why? Think of Christ's day. Did they have air conditioning? What happens when you sweat? When I did all the yards of doing all those yards every day, I'd come home and my cat would do what? Soon you come up, he'd start licking you. Why? If you don't bring the salt in, what's going to happen to you? The salt... What happens to your muscles if you don't have salt? What happens to all the other things in your body? 
It's a binder. It does so many things in your body that we don't realize. You and I are commanded to take in salt. It's not just put it on the outside. We have to take it in. So I want to think about it when we take it in. It's a, so he's concerned. There's certainly a testing, but he's concerned. Is it just going to be on the outside? If it's only on the outside, like on the pile, and rain comes, what's going to happen? It washes it away, and then you're going to have other minerals. Give you a, an example. Stop and think about it. Many of you have been to the store and bought uh, your Atwoods or whatever it might be, and you buy 10, 20, 10. What does that mean? What does triple 13 mean? Okay, it's fertilizer, but what do they mean? What do each number mean? First one's nitrogen every time. Second one is what? Phosphorus. Third one, hot ash. That's also percentages that are in that bag. 10, 20, 10, that's 40%. You have 60% in that bag of what? Filler. Because if they gave you straight, what would the average person do? Put down too much. There's filler in all of it. But what are you trying to do? If you're wanting to grow vegetables, 10, 20, 10 is great. If you want it for your yard, you don't want it. You want a green yard, you want one. So it depends on what you have. But again, it's interesting when you look at it. You and I are commanded to take in salt every day. How can I be salt to the world if I'm not taking salt in? I'm giving salt out. If I'm not bringing it in, what's going to happen to me? You'll be like I was, daughter finding you in the yard. So I think it's important. Look at the next thing. I think it's interesting, the command part of it. How can I bring in salt? I can do it myself. I can take in salt. The Scripture, will it likewise provide salt for you? It sure will. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? It will. What about songs? You ever think about teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? How many times do songs really minister to you? They can really catch you to, to the core, too, if you'll listen to them. Your others, your servants, likewise, fellow believers. Iron sharpens iron, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What happens, you stop and you think about it, with salt, People have done it. What happens when you have a sore throat? What do people tell you to do? What happens if you have, you know, uh, infection in your mouth? They tell you to do what? It's amazing. We salt, and we get away from so much salt is so valuable in our society and in things. You and I are told to be salt. That's our purpose, one of them. But we're also then told to intake salt every day. If we don't, I can't give it out or I only can to a certain amount, I'm going to stop. So you stop and you think about it. It's a possibility, but it's personal. I have to take it in or allow it to come in. Let's think about it, uh, what your daily source is and the amount. But look at the last one. What about a practical outwork? Okay, so I need purpose is I need I'm salt of the earth. The second one is passing the test. I'm going to be, things are going to happen. It's going to leach out. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything else. 
Which, by the way, how much salt do you, do you need? Is that going to vary from person to person? If you work outside like I do, in the heat with Nomex on, it's a lot more sweating than somebody who's inside. We had two guys that worked with us. I've never seen somebody sweat that much in my life. In fact, when I played basketball, we called it the Gerald Rule. Whatever team Gerald was on, you had to wear a shirt because he sweated so terrible much nobody wanted to be around him or touch him. He had to have his shirt on because of how slimy he was. Okay? Everybody's different. But both need salt. All of us do. Let's look about practical outworking. Turn over to Colossians with me. To Colossians chapter 4. Starting in uh, verse 2, this will kind of t- uh, tie in last week's message. But notice, first of all, it is the practical outworking of the salt part in our life. Notice it says devoted, it's where we get a word persistent. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well that God may open up for us a door for the Word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison. Notice the plugged in. How many of you when you were praying then we need to be alert? How many times do we start to pray and we wake up the next morning? Mm-hmm. A few times. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty. <clears throat> I think for some of us, we might have to change the word few. Uh, but again, when we're praying, we need to be plugged in with the Holy Spirit. And when you're alert, notice our attitude with thanksgiving. How many times when we pray is it a basically our want list? And here you have Paul when he's talking about all this, and where's he at? He's in prison. A nice, pristine prison, too, I might add. You stop and you think about it, but how many times are we alert and we have an attitude of thanksgiving? And then notice our action. We're to pray for ourselves, but then Paul said also to pray for who? For Paul. They're in, Cor- they're out, they're in Greece, and Paul, you know, you think about it, he's in Rome. That's a long way away. And so I think it's important when they take these mission trips, how important is it for people to pray? They want to be salt when they're there, but they need the openings. But notice the next part I think is so important. You look at I need to be plugged in. They need to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit. But then notice the next thing you have. What's our purpose? Notice in verse 4. Paul says he's imprisoned. Why does he want you to pray for him? In order that I may speak it clear in the way I ought to speak. How many times do we ever think that Paul couldn't speak the gospel clearly? Speak it clearly to where they will understand. You need the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 2, to turn the light bulb on. It's spiritual. Without the Holy Spirit turning the light bulb on, it's like you're speaking in a foreign language. I'll never forget when I was in Europe 
and on a mission trip in 78, and the little kids come running up to me and rattling off in, in uh, French, and then they realized I couldn't understand them. And you should have seen all the giggling and laughter. I don't know what all they were saying to me, but boy, they were having a good time. And I couldn't understand them. And they couldn't understand me. We want to be able to, Paul says, pray that when I go, I'll speak as I ought to speak. When they go down there, they want to speak as they ought. But isn't that what we want every day when we go to work? So I think it's important then, when the practical outworking of this solves, I need to be plugged in the Holy Spirit, and I need to know how to speak, how to act, what to say, when to say it, what not to say. Notice the next thing, besides the purpose, notice the purchase. You wonder why I get the word purchase. Notice in verse 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. The word there for making the most means to buy up. Buy up the opportunity. You buy it. You've been working and praying and doing everything else with somebody. When that opportunity comes, do what? Make the most of that opportunity. How many opportunities do we get? When we get that opportunity, buy the... If you were putting money on the line, how many of us would do a better job of paying attention? We need to buy it up. We may not get that opportunity again. Seize the opportunity when it's there. Notice the practice. So we have being plugged in. We have a purpose of... We need to speak as we should, which, by the way, not only are we the light of the world, right, Matthew 5, where the salt of the earth, according to 2 Corinthians 5, it says you are an ambassador with the ministry of reconciliation. Should we ever ask, what does God want from me? Are we a light? Are we salt? Am I an ambassador? Am I a reconciler? We have so many things to do. Just do what He tells you to do. He'll open the door. Notice then the practice. How do we do it in practical ways? Look in verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace. How many of you find the older you get, the harder that is? The older we get, it's like, I don't care what people think, I just let it fly. And it's, it's amazing how I've seen as people get older, the filter comes off. You notice it says with grace. Grace is what? We're saved by grace, meaning what? Unmerited favor? Then my speech to them has to be unmerited favor. They don't deserve that response. But that's what I'm told to do. Because what do they expect to come from people? Grace or something else? If I want to be soft to them or light to them by responding with grace, that was not what they're normally going to be used to seeing. So notice one is the grace. Notice the next thing. Seasoned, as it were, with salt. There we are again. Does salt prevent decay? Does my words prevent decay or cause decay? Does my words flavor favorably? Does my words promote thirst? I want what they have. Does my words permeate everything? What they say, 
How many times, you know, you think about it, the Word of God according to Hebrews 4 is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It'll pierce how deep? When you get a scratch, what happens when you're sweating? Does it sting? You stop and you think about it. I think it's important to recognize why we faithful are the wounds of a friend. You want salt to get in. There needs sometimes to be some wounds for salt to get in. Uh, when Jean cooks, we she like, I like when she cooks ham. She just scores it. Why would she score it? Well, what's that? There you go. Making cut marks to where the where the cloves and other spices will then get into the ham and penetrate it. Same thing is true in us. Why are we scored? Why does God allow it? He wants it to get into us. Notice also it talks about the um, penetrating, the preserves. Does my speech preserve? You know, isn't Proverbs tell us when you think about it with Proverbs that you know gentle answer does what? Okay, we can really help stop or ease a situation with our mouth or we can escalate it with what we have to say. And so I think it's important that we as Christians, we need to be doing that. By the way, can salt also put out a fire? Yes, it can. And how many times is our speech helping to put out a fire? Stop and you think about it. Notice it's also, notice I think it's interesting. How does he end it? So that you may know how you should respond to each person. You mean when I'm talking to somebody, I'm supposed to talk differently to every single person? Truth, but with grace. Only way I'm going to be able to do that, or you're going to be able to do that, is if I'm plugged into who? Holy Spirit plugged into Scripture plugged into all these things or I will not how many times we mean well but say the wrong thing that happens to most of us a lot so stop and think about it what's my purpose for living what's one of them I'm to be salt where you are the salt of the earth that's what Christ said Passing the test, am I taking in salt every day so that I then can give out salt to others? Preserving. Practical outworking. Am I, do I speak as I ought to speak? You ever get up in the morning and pray, Lord, help me to speak as I ought to speak today? Help my speech be seasoned with salt. Help me to respond to each person correctly with grace. And I think it's important. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, that's precisely the point. Let's ask you a couple questions then. Do I have a daily source of spiritual salt? Which, by the way, is there different types of salt? Do you have regular salt, iodized salt, Himalayan salt, sea salt? Pink salt. Yep. yep. So you have all the different ones, and they have benefits because they have minerals in them, whatever. It's important. Another question, do I prayerfully go throughout the day looking for opportunities, making the best of those opportunities, <clears throat> seeing each opportunity as its own unique one, and speaking appropriately to it? There will not be a set answer to everything. Scripture, yes, but how I deliver Scripture would be another. Just in closing, I'll never forget when I was in college, we were told we had a... <clears throat> 
you might have remembered way back that many years ago, they broke up the phone books of every major city. And they then were going to witness to every person through the phone. So I was assigned 10, and they tell you then to read these different. Uh, so I'd call up and they'd say, okay, I can pick up Kendra because she won't be back for a while. Uh, okay, you call her up the phone. Kendra, you're a sinner, aren't you? And you're giving them the answers. You want to accept Christ, don't you? And so people around will never get going through. They said you can't deviate. You've got to do everyone just like they say. If you want to accept Christ, don't you? You realize you're a sinner, aren't you? I've never sinned a day in my life. That's was their response. If that's the case, do they need a Savior? They have to realize they're a sinner before they need a Savior. And then Buddy, the friend of mine, uh, got a hold of him as a Jewish person on the other line. But every passage they had was in the New Testament. Remember they're told, don't deviate. He just closed it up and went through the Old Testament and presented Christ through the Old Testament. Each individual, you have to prayerfully look at how to respond to each individual. And sometimes it can be very blunt, straightforward. Others, it's very in a different approach. But they all need a, 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 an appropriate response to each person. So think about it this week. You are salt, but how, how salty are you? Are you losing your salt? If you are, you need to take some in this We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.